Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode one of our summer series of Yoga Land. So it's kind of ironic that for the first episode of our summer series, I'm recording this intro at the end of a cold, (laughs) but I'm just going to take it as being symbolic that I'm shedding off all of the transitional spring, winter to springtime, we're in summer, and I just wanted to make this summer podcast really fun for you guys. So I came up with a series that I'm doing with Jason. So there's going to be six episodes, they're all short and sweet, and they're all designed to just simply inspire you to get on your mat this summer. You know, when summer comes around, our schedules change, the days get longer, we spend more time outdoors, which is great, and but it can be harder to get on your mat. You're traveling, your kids are home, all these different things pulling you different ways. Um, So we just wanted to offer some ideas for staying consistent with your practice. And that's what this episode focuses on. It's 10 ideas for staying in your yoga practice this summer. And then for each of these episodes, I'm going to offer a little tip of my own focusing on either nutrition or wellness or psychology, things that I've been really immersed in for the past several years. I want to offer my thoughts on how yoga applies to all these things we live in our everyday lives. So today I talk about creativity and what I learned from Susan Cain. And before we dive in, I just wanted to let you know that the 2018 dates for Jason's 500-hour training have been announced. You can go to lovestoryyoga.com to find those dates. And we're doing it similar to what we've done this year, which is February for module one, May for module two, July for module three. And those are all in San Francisco, California, which is where we're broadcasting from right now. All right. Lots of love and best wishes to you guys for your summer practice. Here we go. Hey, Andrea. I'm so excited about this episode one of our summer series. Me too. We are doing a series of six episodes, just Jason and I. We thought it would be just a great time to keep you inspired over the summer to keep doing your yoga practice and your contemplative practice. And this first episode is just that. It's our 10 ideas for maintaining your practice over the summer and getting on your mat. That's right. Yeah. So each one of these episodes is going to be topical. But none of the topical episodes really mean anything if you're not actually practicing. So we have to start with this first round and talk about ways to maintain your yoga practice and stay inspired, especially during the transitions of summertime. And we want to leverage our experience as longtime yoga practitioners and go back and forth a little bit and share with everyone what has worked with us over the years And then what for me, and especially in all my trainings, working with the teachers that I teach, what the tips that I've given them over the years in order to make sure that they stay engaged with their own practice. Yeah, sounds good. First tip, short and sweet. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the biggest challenges that people have to maintaining a regular practice, especially in transitional times like summer, is that they feel that if they don't do 60, 75, 90 minutes, the sort of time duration that they're accustomed to in a public class, they feel like it's not worth it. Right. And I sort of give this example to people all the time. It's a little gross, but it works. 
which is what's the best way to keep your teeth clean? To go to a dentist once a week for 90 minutes or twice a week for 90 minutes or to brush your teeth every single day for a few minutes. That is a super gross example. But, but it works. Very, very apt. Right? Very apt. Yes. I mean, it's like if I wanted to shower, I'm just going to make it worse. <laughs> oh, no. Like just one day a week for 75 minutes, that's not really a good hygiene strategy. I love long showers. Though. Me too. Yeah. But we live in California. Yeah, we can't. Anyways, the point is we have to take advantage and we have to value the short and sweet practices. That's anywhere from 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it takes in order to stay engaged and to stay uplifted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the key, and you talk about this all the time, the key to maintaining a home practice is to let it adapt to your life. So when we talk about summer, again, we talk about different schedules. The sun is out for a longer time, right? We, we usually spend a lot more time outdoors and later at night. So if what you can do at the end of the day is 10 minutes at the end of the day, but if you do that five days a week, you are still maintaining a connection to your practice. That's right. Yeah. So tip number two. Tip number two is focus on what you love. And this is another thing that I, I think I really first learned this from you in terms of home practice. I was always the person that was just super hard on myself about bringing, you know, the whole experience from the studio into my house. And then also beating myself up about, you know, okay, well, I am going to get into Viparita Dandasana in a month. And so I'm going to you know, set out to do that in my home practice. Well, I don't really enjoy backbends. They don't feel great in my body. And I need a 90 minute class to really go deep in my backbends. Right. That doesn't, so that didn't work for me at home. Right. Yeah. You know, I talk about this with students all the time, right? Which is if you already have a long, consistent home practice that is largely unwavering, then I think at that point, you can test the waters a little bit. Then you can do things that are difficult and trying for you. You know, there's sort of a, a sentiment in the yoga community that if some group of poses or some region of the body is difficult for you, then you should be working with that. Well, I'm not going to dispute that. But what I do want to tackle is is how realistic that is, right? That's sort of like if you have never cooked at home and one of your goals is to start cooking at home, so you decide, I'm going to cook at home. Well, do you want to start learning to cook at home by cooking your least favorite options <laughs> or your most favorite options, right? So you really want to focus on things that you love, where you look forward to it. I feel this all the time that, you know, we have limited free time so I treat my yoga practice, my home practice, as my free time, and I'm going to emphasize the things that I love. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to tackle things that, you know, push my buttons a little bit. There's value in that. But that's that's not going to be what I'm going to really build a consistent, solid practice on. So emphasize what you love. There's good reasons why you love it. Yeah, it's true. I wanted to say one more thing about that, which is that... I think what's really nice about this approach is that it can help you look forward to doing it. Totally. You know, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's really the main thing I actually want to convey yeah, about yeah. this is that you look forward to it. I look forward to being on my mat. Yeah. Okay. So the next tip is be flexible with the time of day. Especially if you're traveling. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, there is this longstanding theory that it's best to do, do your practice in the morning and that's fine. And, and it's, it's great for me to do my practice in the morning because it's when my energy is highest. And, and then you sort of start your day off on this really, really nice foot. But it's perfectly okay to fit in. Like if you're traveling, you land, you get to the hotel, everyone's unpacking, things are a little chaotic. What can you do to, do to ground yourself after a flight? What can you do to like stretch your back or stretch your hips or make yourself feel better after a long day of travel? There's just different places that you can fit it in at different times of day that you might not have thought of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that part of the the longstanding sentiment of yogi's practice in the morning is, especially for householders, you know, the day gets away from you really quick especially if you have long work schedules or kids that you got to you got to get up and and manage. But what you're bringing up for me and I I want all the listeners to know that I almost exclusively practice at night. That that's really when my practice has I let me say this, I almost exclusively practice at night when my schedule is throwing me a curveball yeah. when I'm when I'm traveling. It is right? a good time for you. So when I'm home and I'm not on the road teaching, you know, wherever I'm teaching, then I tend to practice in late morning. I like late morning. That works for for me with my schedule. But, you know, a lot of times I'm in a different time zone. And living on the West Coast, I'm often in the Central or the East Coast time zone or Europe or Asia. So I'm not getting up early, even earlier, to do my yoga practice. Are you kidding me? I already have to get up early to teach. I'm already teaching at, you know, 5 a.m. or you know, 6 a.m. my inner time all the time. So I practice when I get home. And sometimes what that means for a maintenance practice is that I don't necessarily go hard, that I do gentle stuff, even though I'm a vinyasa-based teacher. If I'm teaching weekends or teaching trainings, then that means in the evenings, I'm going to do a really light, quiet practice just to stay in my body and to stay connected. Yeah. And that brings us to the next tip. Which is? Which is to be flexible with intensity, especially if you're traveling. I said that for both these, but be flexible with intensity, especially if you're traveling or your schedule is is throwing you a curve. One of the challenges that we face is we normalize a certain degree of physical intensity. And when we normalize a, a certain degree of physical intensity, we often think that a different intensity doesn't have value. We think that the yoga practice, you know, because we go to class, because we go to a hot studio or we go to a flow studio or we go to a stronger, and there's a certain amount of intensity in that experience. We think that if our home practice doesn't look like that, then it wasn't valuable. And that's a mistake, right? It's a big mistake. So we have to know that if you're in a different time zone, if your schedule's throwing you a loop, if things are just a little bit off, then you have to be fully willing to stay connected to your practice, even if that means doing a more moderate intensity sequence or two. Absolutely. So what that made me think of is just this overarching idea, and this could probably be applied to any of our tips, that Your home practice is an opportunity for you to tune in with what's going on for you. It's this great opportunity. You know, when you go to a lead class, 
for the most part, you probably, you, you might do a child's pose here and there. And there was actually one studio I used to go to where this woman, I loved her. She would, she would dance in the corner by herself in her jog bra. But most of us, when we go to a led class, we let ourselves be led. But when you're home and you're doing it for yourself, you know, it's an opportunity for you to nourish yourself. So thinking about like, well, what intensity do I actually need? How much time do I really have? When can I fit it into my day? All of those things are okay. And they get you more in tune with understanding yourself and your patterns. Absolutely. So that brings me to the next tip, which is pretty related to the previous tips, Mm -hmm. which is don't feel like you need to replicate the feeling of a lead yoga class at your home practice. This is the number one mistake where I feel like home practitioners set themselves up quite honestly for failure Mm -hmm. is that they feel like in order for their practice at home to be of value, it has to be a duration and it has to be an intensity and it has to have the same sort of inner feeling and inner tone that a group class does. And, you know, having practiced for 20 years, I can tell you that my home practices almost never like a group class because it's not a group class, right? It's sort of the difference between going to a restaurant and creating a home-cooked meal. It's like going to an excellent restaurant and then creating a home-cooked meal. Well, you're not only going to eat if you can go to a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to have to settle for other things and be well nourished, right? So I really think about the home yoga practice, my home practice, although we are both good cooks here. (laughs) I really think about my home practice as a home cooked meal. I don't think of it as a restaurant experience. I think about a home cooked meal and I don't judge my home-cooked meal on the standards of a well-trained chef. Mm. And the other thing, actually, that that metaphor makes me think of, I like this one. I don't always approve of your metaphors, but I like this one. It's just that home chefs get better at cooking their meals over time. Totally. So you will get better at directing your own home practice and, and understanding, you know, what your body needs on any given day. And you'll just get more comfortable, too, with getting on the map by yourself without the energy and the sound and everything that comes with a studio setting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the next idea that we have, I am going to talk through because Jason feels like it's a little bit too much of a shameless plug. So the next idea is to use the power of the internet and go to yogaglow.com and do one of their new programs. So programs are these new content packages where you can sign up for them. And Jason's got one, Taylor's got one, Tiffany Cruikshank has one, Amy Apolity, and they're around a specific theme. So Jason has one on the foundations of flow. It's a set period of time. It's like a three-week program and it gives you three classes per week and you can schedule them into your schedule and then it will email you little reminders for when you committed to yourself to do the class. So I love that idea of looking at your schedule for the couple weeks ahead and say to yourself, okay, I'm going to commit to these three classes a week. And then you get reminders. And you could also do this with a friend, you know, you could have like an online accountability partner and you could email each other and, you know, say, how was that class? Or 
did you do your class today? Yeah, I think that the two words in describing these that that's so valuable is commitment and accountability. You know, it's so easy, especially during summer for our practice to get away from us. Our time gets away from us. Our schedule gets away from us. And the nice thing about these programs is you commit to them in advance. So you schedule in advance. You can pick what day, whether you want to do it morning, whether you want to do it afternoon, whether you want to do it evening. You get email reminders. So the site helps you have accountability with it. And and you don't have to think about it. It's a little bit like watching a series. I, I sort of think about it for those of you that go to Netflix and are paralyzed with, oh my gosh, what am I going to watch now? Well, if you're engaged with the series, then you know what you're going to watch now. You're going to watch the next episode of that. So I think about it with similar functionality to Give that. Give me the next episode of Jason Crandall. I want my next episode but you cannot stay up all night and binge. <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's going to be a problem. <laughs> okay. The next one is to use whatever practice you are doing. If if your schedule changes in the summer or if you do different kinds of sports in the summer, like if you go outside and you hike a little bit more or if you're swimming, things like that, use your yoga practice as a complement to whatever physical activity you are adding to your life in the summer? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges that people face when they are doing practice at home is figuring out what they're going to do and what they're going to focus on and, and what really what they need to make their limited time feel valuable. And if you know that you're swimming more, if you know you're outside more, if like you said, if you're hiking more, cycling more, you know, out yeah, with I'm the always kids. doing volleyball in the summer, <laughs> <laughs> me and my volleyball routines. Inside joke. Anyways, so you can use the things that you're doing outdoors or your other physical activities as the muse. It tells you a little bit, like if you're hiking, then you're going to do some hamstrings, some quads, some outer hip work at home. My volleyball is so inspiring to me. I'm not making fun of volleyball. I'm making fun of the fact that I am so short that I have never been able to hit a volleyball over a net. There, I said it. Okay. You said it. What's the next tip? To print out sequences from our site. We have so many sequences. Yes, we do. We do. We have a lot. I wish I had counted before the episode, but I want to We say, have a lot. Yeah, we have dozens. Yeah. Another pro tip for this is that even if you are a subscriber to our newsletter, when you hit download the PDF sequence, it will ask you for your email address. You have to enter it even if you are already a newsletter subscriber because that's how the little automated system knows where to email the PDF to. Right. So if you don't already have the PDFs in your inbox, you can go to our site and go to our blog and you can search for it on yoga sequences and they will all come up and there will be a link to download the PDF sequence. You'll enter your email and then it will get emailed to you. Yeah. And if for some reason that feels another pro tip, if that feels a little complicated or convoluted screenshot or just. Well, I mean, the, the beauty of the practice. PDF is that it's a perfect eight by 10. Right. right so right, it's, right. it's just a perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, a better it fits option to the page. Better. But regardless, what we want to make sure people do is they have something to follow, something to engage with and. Something and support. that inspires them. Yeah, yeah. something that inspires them and, and supports their practice. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have you do the next one too. Sure. Which is to remember the value of consistency. And we spoke to this right off the bat, but I think it's so important that we hit this as its own category, which is the most important thing about a physical regime, 
a fitness regime, a yoga practice, hygiene, any of those things, what we need is we need consistency. You don't need long, big, huge, intense practices for them to be valuable for your mind and body. You just need a consistent, ongoing relationship with your body and breath. And so for us to remember as yoga practitioners that it's important to do the practice, that we need to keep coming back to it time and time again to stay engaged. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We are at our last tip, our last idea. And this was my idea, which is to try something different. Mix it up. You that know? was your idea because I do not that's like not your thing change. so much. Yeah, that's not. Your I thing. recognize change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't usually like it. <laughs> yeah, and and throughout my the history of my yoga practice, you know, I've often mixed it up. It's actually harder for me to do that now, but it can be really valuable to try a new teacher, to try a new style, to try going to a new studio. Um, it just can kind of freshen things up for you and. You, you you know you you'll use your body in a slightly different way, feel things in a slightly different way, learn thing new things. It's just it's a great thing to do every once in a while. No, it's stuck. huge. It it's it's actually really really huge. You know the the sort of phrase summer blues, right? I mean, there is this. We all experience at some point the blues of monotony, it, whether it's summer or another time. You know the blues of monotony and. As important as consistency is, and as much as we love yoga, or you wouldn't be listening to us talk for hours on end, our practice can feel a little rote sometimes. It can feel a little stale sometimes. We feel like we've, we sort of phone it in and doing just something small that's different. Like you said, going to a different studio, taking a different class, a different style of yoga. Any of those things can can really stoke another a flame of interest. And, and that's really important that we do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have many more podcasts coming up within this series, which we're super excited about. So stay tuned and good luck getting on your mat and, and enjoying it. It's, that's really important. Enjoy your practice. So, Andrea, yeah, you talked to Susan Cain recently. I did. And you know what? I want to remind you, I bought you that book. I know. I told her that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, she, both, she wrote the book Quiet. Mm-hmm. You interviewed her. Mm-hmm. You were super excited about it. And I want to know, is there any follow-ups that you had? Is there any questions that you had or any thoughts that you had that you didn't get to cover in that episode? Yes, there are so many things because her work runs really deep and wide. You know, the main focus of her work is on introversion. And you should go back and listen to the episode. I highly encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's really a great episode for just continuing to try to understand what makes us tick. And I think as a yoga teacher or a student, you can really never have too much of that knowledge. But I would say the thing that I didn't get to ask her about that I really loved when I read her book and watched her TED talk was this idea that the most creative people in her research, what's been found is that the most creative people tend to be introverts. And that's not to say that extroverts are not creative at all, of course. But the idea is that solitude can be a catalyst for innovation and Mm. creativity. And 
you know, I, I just think I love that so much as an inspiration for practicing and an inspiration for meditating. And I just encourage all of you teachers out there to steal it and to tell your students, you know, Susan makes the point that we really believe in, in groupthink in our schools and in our workplaces these days. You know, we have open plan offices, we schedule lots and lots of meetings with brainstorming, and it's been proven that brainstorming actually doesn't work, that people need to go off on their own, think about things and come back with solutions. And she even talks about, you know, I mean, think about the Buddha. <laughs> the Buddha went off into the wilderness and came back with a whole system and a solution for what he saw as suffering. She talks about Charles Darwin, that he would go for long walks in the woods and turn down dinner party invitations, that Dr. Seuss loved to be alone and actually said he was really scared of meeting his children, his readers, because he would be overwhelmed by the energy and he would be afraid that he had to entertain them. So think about not just creativity, but productivity Yes, is catalyzed by having periods of alone time, yeah. having periods to be with yourself, be with your thoughts. Um, nice. Yeah. And I love that. I just cool. think it's beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I'm going to create a blog post for this episode with all of the ideas that we went over and I will link to it from our show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 53. We've got five more episodes between Jason and I for this summer series. So be sure to tune in every week and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us an iTunes review. It really makes a difference. Thanks for listening. And until next week, enjoy your practice. Mm-hmm.